This is The Adam Ritz Show, a public affairs talk show touching on community, health, foundations, and more. The Adam Ritz Show is underwritten by Vibonomics, an audio out-of-home advertising marketplace and audio experience company. Info at Vibonomics.com. And now, from the Vibonomics studios, please welcome your public affairs radio host, Adam Ritz. All right, here we go. Let's talk public affairs. I'm Adam Ritz, your host, and joining me on the telephone, Jay Baker. Are you ready to talk some public affairs? I'm excited. This is the best time of year, and I love talking public affairs. Let's get fired up. We uh, have been excited here in the last uh, few weeks with the show talking about uh, college football and how exciting it's been that uh, it's back on the field, on the gridiron, on television. My Saturdays have gotten a little more (laughs) stagnant as I enjoy the couch (laughs) uh, instead of outdoor activities, but that's fine. Uh, And I wanted to start with a a football story. We've been talking about the new rules with uh, student athletes, uh, and they're able to now make uh, money with the new name, image, and likeness rule. Um, well, I've got a story about uh, five guys at the University of Georgia who are taking advantage of the new name, image, and likeness rule. So before I to get to my story, uh, Jay, if you could, for our listeners, um, can you go over what that rule change is? Uh, you don't have to be 100% correct, but uh, if I was explaining it, I would just say that college players can now earn money. Uh, in the past, it was illegal or against NCAA rules for any college athlete to accept a dollar bill anywhere for anything. Now they can use their name and likeness to make money. Did I get that right? You basically got it right. You know, in the past, the reason they set the rules up is that some programs would attempt to circumvent the NCAA rules and they'd pay players either in cash or merchandise off the books, oftentimes under the table, sometimes buying cars or homes for uh, players, parents and things of that nature. So what this rule basically says is that these student athletes, because there is a premium on them being visible part of the university, can now benefit from endorsement deals. So they have to be written up pretty specifically. I don't think you can just stick uh, cash in an envelope like a mafia chieftain, but it does allow players to benefit from their likeness uh, and also selling a merchandise. Okay, so when you think of that, uh, you immediately go to what you just thought of, um, cash in an envelope or like from the movie Blue Chips when they wanted uh, farm equipment, SUVs, cars, houses, and cash in a duffel bag. Uh, yes. Listen to what these five guys at the University of Georgia are doing to take advantage of the new name, image, and likeness rule. These five players, they got together and they founded the DGD Fund. And DGD stands for Damn Good Dog. And dog is spelled D-A-W-G, which is the nickname for the University of Georgia. They're the dogs, uh, the bulldogs, dogs for short. And uh, the DGD Fund is going to raise money for five separate charities that these players uh, have chosen and designated. So... They are using their name, likeness, uh, and image to promote this DGD fund. And it's just an amazing story and fantastic. I, I think uh, we, we hear about 
you know, money and college sports and uh, corporate America and how money's evil. And right out of the gate, we hear about this new rule change and these five guys at Georgia take it to the other end of the spectrum and use the rule to raise money for charity. Isn't that amazing? No, that's really good. And you're right. Uh, this is a, a rule that can benefit uh the local communities as well. So that is great news. So Georgia, uh, you know, they started off the season beating number three, Clemson. Uh, you know, maybe Clemson was number two at the time. Uh, no matter what, uh, it's it's propelled uh, Georgia into the national spotlight. Uh, they are a contender for the national championship. At the time of the recording of this broadcast, uh, they were ranked two in the country. They're the second. Yeah. Aren't, aren't they ranked two right now? Yes, they are. So, and as you said, they're one of the most powerful football programs in America. So for the college football fan listening to the show, you may even know these names. I'm going to go over the five players' names. It's tight end John Fitzpatrick, uh, quarterback Stetson Bennett, long snapper Payne Walker, O-lineman Owen Condon, uh, and linebacker John Statton. And uh, here are the charities they chose. Uh, Fitzpatrick chose the American Brain Tumor Association. Uh, Bennett chose the Boys and Girls Club of America. Walker chose a charity called Happy Feet. It's a day, uh, summer, a day program, summer camp, that dedicates itself to the care and growth of children with special needs and disabilities. That's called Happy Feet. Uh, Condon uh, will raise money for the ALS Association, and Staten's charity is Helinski's Hope, which is a mental health and suicide awareness uh, foundation. So those five foundations will benefit from the monies raised from the DGD Fund, uh, and you can learn more at uh, their website, which is dgdfund.org. Great story. So proud of those guys. I hope more... uh, uh, young men hear this story and, and want to get involved and, uh, you know, make some better decisions and do some good things with the platforms that they have. This is the Adam Rich Show. I'm Adam Ritz. We're brought to you uh, in part by Vibonomics. Learn more about them on our website, adamritzshow.com. Just click their purple logo to find out more about them. Jay Baker, uh, if we were college football players on the second-ranked team in the nation, I have to believe that you and I would be making good decisions and doing the right thing. Well, as you said, you know, you, you talk about the prestige of these programs. These guys are definite uh, role models to the community, and they have a lot at stake uh, to continue to represent Georgia well. And I think it's a real testament to these young men that instead of saying, hey, let's think of something where we could benefit financially just for ourselves – they are thinking in terms of benefiting financially for other people. It's it's a, it's it's actually a very positive trend. Certainly, absolutely. All right, you what's know, happening in your world? Well, here's a interesting thing. Your results may vary. Uh, you probably have noticed there's been a bit of an uptick in sort of uh, non-requested calls from. Uh, from telemarketers just sort of randomly to your phone throughout the day. And I'm sure I'm not the only one. Uh, And, you know, you can go to all kinds of do not call lists, call your state attorney general, et cetera. But you're probably still going to get these calls. Most of them are ignored. Uh, When I say your results may vary, 
Uh, in general, if somebody who is not in your contact list calls your phone, it will just generally come across as a batch of numbers or it may say unknown caller or whatever. You obviously are free to let that go to voicemail because uh, you may not be in the mood to buy replacement windows just that moment. <laughs> so, Well, you know, I, and, I, and it, I, I hope it's just somebody calling me for replacement windows because there's so many scams out there, too. Yes. Uh, I, I would rather hear from a telemarketer than a than a scam call. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, and then, you know, they, they put together some very crazy notions. One that they put together, and there's been uh, variations of this theme, is um, the one that, hi, we're the Social Security Administration, and we've suspended your Social Security number unless you call this number. Obviously, the Social Security Administration would never suspend your number. They want you to have that number. That's how they collect taxes from you. Yes. They will never suspend that number, <laughs> and you should never call that number. Though part of me thought, you know, maybe I won't have to pay taxes. I thought that for one brief moment, but realized that was just a dream. But uh, the reason why I bring this up is today I looked down, got a phone call, and in the uh, little panel that says where the call is coming from it said hostess brands now i think this is another clever thing they're trying to do because part of america would go hostess brands why i love those little cupcakes i love little snacks that hostess puts out of course i want to answer this call <laughs> They did their market research on you, Jay Baker. <laughs> I, so I had to laugh when I saw Hostess Brands. The only other thing would be, you know, if uh, Coors Light would call me. But other than that, you're like, what a, what a schlamoli scam that was. So, yeah, if yeah, it said... So uh, just be aware of the scams. Vegan uh, health food. Uh, you're certainly not answering that call. But Hostess, maybe. If somebody representing someplace where you could get really good meatloaf, I mean, I'd answer that phone call in a second. But yes, <laughs> be aware these are scams, and now they're trying to use really clever names to show up on your phone. Hopefully, uh, you will take the Adam Rich Show tip and just kindly let that go off the voicemail. Uh, we we would love to offer you some ironclad way to make these calls stop it. We get them as well. You know, that's the first time I've heard of this. I, I do uh, agree with you and recognize that these uh, unwanted calls are on the upswing. I mean, I'm getting more than ever now. Yeah. And the caller ID, uh, it varies. Sometimes it says, actually says, as the caller ID, it'll say telemarketer. Uh, sometimes it just says unknown call. But what they've done is, they, I don't know if they've geotagged my phone but they'll pick a suburb or a town near mine yeah so it's like oh okay i'm gonna see you know blankville uh and think oh well that's got to be somebody uh, that knows me because it's just two towns over uh i have seen that i don't answer those calls and then uh i have received a lot of calls lately more than ever where the the caller id actually says Spam risk. Yes. Spam risk. So I don't know how, hey, thank you, AT&T or iPhone, for figuring out that this is a Nigerian prince trying to call me, but they know right out of the gate it's a spam uh, risk. Uh, so obviously I don't answer those either. But I had not heard about uh, using a brand or a company that you possibly would want to hear from. I mean, if, if, uh, 
Who is it? Ed, Ed McMahon? I mean, even though Ed McMahon's not alive, if I've got a caller ID from Ed McMahon at Publishers, Publishers Clearing Clearinghouse, House, I'm answering that call. That's right. Publishers Clearinghouse is on line one. No, I, I thought it was – I give them some uh, tip of the cap for – uh, sort of bending the rules and making the call seem more inviting, but it's still a scam. But I, I the minute I saw that, I went, holy cow. Of course I love cupcakes. Are you kidding me? <laughs> uh, you probably have noticed we talk a lot on the show about stuff that is on the uptick. You probably noticed in the news that animal attacks have been on the rise and have been more prevalent in the news. In fact, Annually, animal attacks account for about a billion dollars a year in medical expenses throughout I, the world. Wow, I didn't know that. A billion. Yeah, and a company called Outforia, which is a out outdoor website, analyzed the safest spots and the safest activities over a 20-year period from 1999 to 2019. And here's what they found. One of the more dangerous states for animal attacks is the state of Texas. They average about 26 uh, animal-inflicted fatalities a year. Wow. So about 26 people in Texas pass away after interacting with an animal. Now, are these, uh, you know, wild coyotes or, uh, you know, somebody's uh, household Rottweiler that got out and chewed somebody up? Well, it's interesting that you brought that up. What do you think the most dangerous animal is in the United States? In the United States? Gosh, I, was, I thought you were just ask me Texas because I was trying to think, okay, cattle, longhorns, like horses or some sort of livestock, uh, um, stampedes maybe. But uh, in the entire United States, what's the most deadly Um you know, you could go with, a, a, I don't know, a snake, the venom of a snake, but I, those aren't very common. Uh, uh, shark attacks, alligator, crocodile attacks are so infrequent. I don't even have any. You know what? I'm going to say it. I'm going to say the house dog, a house pet dog kills more people than anybody. Yeah, the house pet dog is on the list, but the most dangerous animal is a deer. Oh. They account for 1.3 million traffic accidents per year. Yep. Of and of those accidents, about 200 of them are fatal, and it usually involves a vehicle striking a deer. Yeah, yeah, I, I would. Yeah, you know, you don't see um, uh, snake crossing on the highway. You see deer crossing because if your vehicle hits one of those, you're in trouble. Um, but you, but you are correct. In order, uh, the standard. Uh, problem animals in America are uh, involved dog attacks, hitting a deer, or livestock accidents. And it's uh, you were dead on when you mentioned Texas. Texas has a prevalence of uh, dangerous interaction with cattle. I uh, am really proud of myself. Uh <laughs> Of staying away from cattle. I, well, for knowing the, uh, I, I named like th like three of the top four uh, animals. I got it. I, and you knew, and, and you knew what the headline grabbers are. You think in terms of uh, a crocodile or an alligator or a bear or like you know a panther or some wild cat that uh, you know is lurking in the woods, ready to tear you from life and limb. But the most dangerous animal is deer, followed by bees and wasps 
who uh, kill 100 people annually. What Bees and wasps? Bees and wasps. So <laughs> the most dangerous animal is a deer followed by bees and wasps. Wow. So okay. I, I, thought the, I thought the list was really interesting. Texas, California, and Florida lead the nation in uh, dangerous animal attacks. And Delaware, North Dakota, and Rhode Island are at the bottom of the list. And a lot of it is just based on population. Your uh, interaction with animals, if you live in North Dakota because of the people population, is going to be quite low. So if you suddenly become very afraid of being of having a fatal interaction with an animal, move to North Dakota. Is chinchilla on the list? Let me check. Rabid chinchillas are way down low, but they uh, they can occasionally inflict a painful bite, though none have been fatal. <laughs> okay, good. That's good to know. <laughs> I know our listeners with chinchillas are are, are have a deep breath of uh, sigh of uh, relief now that they know their chinchillas are safe. <laughs> well, this weekend, as you know. Uh, much of the nation uh, will be or has already observed a remembrance of 911. It's a time that's very emotional for uh, those that uh, live through that experience. And last year, the Hockey Heroes game in New York City was canceled due to COVID. This year, though it has already aired, the good news was that the NYPD versus FDNY hockey game, which honors 911 heroes, was able to go on and for the first time ever actually broadcast on ESPN. And that game's already happened. Um, yeah. Is there, is there a list, uh, or I'm sorry, a total for the, um, the charity, uh, the money raised? I didn't see how much they raised, but when they play at Madison Square Garden, the entire gate goes to the 911 heroes. Oh, yeah, so, well, that's fantastic. Yeah, I mean, it is just... fantastic and so traditional. Uh, you know, I think you've seen mentioned before uh, both the police of New York and the fire departments of New York are very, uh, you know, th they're very competitive with their hockey anyway. And this particular game is very important for them because of the uh, the uh, doing doing it for the 911 responders. I uh, am just going to guess since my my animal uh, guessing was so <laughs> was on superb. Point, I'm just going to guess. Let's just guess, you know, round numbers, 20,000 people at the uh, right. arena. And I know somebody who's some crazy uh, New York uh, Knicks fan knows it's only, it only holds 18,000 whatever. Uh, I'm I work on estimation numbers. Uh, 20,000 people and uh, let's just say it's ten bucks a ticket. There's two hundred grand right there, and you know it was more than ten bucks a ticket. Plus, you know there was more than one person who donated above and beyond the ten dollar ticket, or however however much it was. So I'm gonna say, and we're gonna Jay, you and I are gonna research this and report we'll next week. This, yes. I'm gonna say it raised at least a quarter of a million dollars, two hundred fifty thousand dollars, up to. Um, uh, well, up to I, the, that's question mark. I mean, millions, millions, especially for the twentieth anniversary of nine eleven. Are you kidding? I, I think uh, I, so. I'm you know what? I'm going to raise my uh, initial number to a minimum of a half million, five hundred thousand, um, 
with a with a ceiling of of just millions. I don't know how many millions, uh, but but you know, I mean, all it takes is one celebrity to see this and go, "I'll give you five hundred thousand out of my own bank account." Yeah. Um, well, and it's so it's so cool to see these New York heroes face off in hockey, and obviously they're playing on behalf of their brothers, the nine one one first responders. But it really does just remind you of. Uh, the tremendous coming together of first responders, genuine American heroes in our country's largest city. So it just there's a lot, a lot of tradition and a lot of honor. So it's very cool. And yes, we'll find out the amount of money raised in this. But I thought it was cool that the guys got a chance to skate against each other. And uh, they always have bragging rights for the year. So on top of raising money for a great cause, they also have a blast. I think it's interesting, too, to me anyway, uh, just from a lifestyle perspective, uh, that they can find uh, that many firemen, uh, firefighters, and or police officers that know how to play hockey. (laughs) They're good skaters. This isn't... uh, the police versus the fire department in a game of pickup basketball. I mean, everybody knows how to play basketball, even if you stink at it. Uh, you've got to at least be able to ice skate, let alone know how to play hockey. So that's uh, pretty you, impressive. You, they could put together two teams. Yeah, you have to have motor skills for this one. Uh, this is an interesting story coming out of Ohio. A porch gargoyle, and yes, you heard that properly on your radio. It wasn't static. A porch gargoyle has raised close to $330,000 for charity. This all started out on someone's front porch. They had a a little individual known as Frank, the Christmas gargoyle. He, uh, Frank, lived on a porch in Ohio, and uh, a disgruntled neighbor left a kind of scathing letter that was left, I think, stuck to Frank's hat. The uh, gargoyle, he, he didn't detect the note because he's made apparently out of plaster. But the neighbor uh, was not too happy about Frank, the Christmas gargoyle. Uh, my research did not indicate perhaps Frank, uh, like many Christmas decorations, was up well past the Yule season. Maybe that was part of the problem. Could have been. Frank, the Christmas could gargoyle, been. could have been on the porch in April. Maybe it was spring. I don't know. But at any rate, uh, Frank's family posted the note and pictures of Frank. And almost overnight, they had $50,000 worth of contributions from supporters for Frank. And that family donated the initial $50,000 to the Dayton Food Bank. And since that time, they've made big donations to House of Bread crayons to classrooms and hospice of Dayton. So these are Dayton area, uh, you know, nonprofits, but uh, Frank, the Christmas gargoyle worth a lookup has, uh, has brought in close to $330,000 for charity. You know, I'm going to guess we were laughing about maybe the neighbor uh, put the note on the Christmas gargoyle, maybe in April, to say, hey, look, Christmas is over. Clean, <laughs> get rid of your Christmas decor. Knock but, it off. But right. it, it's really, it, you know, I'm kind of a fan of Halloween, and I'm now I'm thinking the gargoyle was on the porch for Halloween. And, Might have been. You know, two months later, when it's still there, and it's now Christmas time, I think the the neighbor put the, put, you know, the complaint on the gargoyle saying, 
this is not a Christmas decoration, and now forever known, it's Frank the Christmas gargoyle. Uh, we got to. I'm going to look this one up. I got. I got to, I'm going to definitely try to find a picture of this to post on our website when we post. Uh, if anybody would like to uh, listen to this show again or share it with your friends or look at a picture of Frank the Christmas gargoyle, just head to AdamRitzShow.com and you'll find it. Yeah, Frank has been uh, featured on a number of Dayton area news uh, sites, so apparently Frank is somewhat famous. I don't know if he's officially on the Dayton tour or not, but there he is, and he's doing good work. What was the name of the uh, the Crayons charity? Uh, it was Crayons to Classrooms, which I think is a, a cool charity name i like it i like it i uh i'm gonna look that one up too maybe we'll do another uh, follow-up report just on crayons for classrooms and see if it's a dayton uh entity or if it's nationwide or you know maybe we can help them out too also coming uh, out of ohio this is in norwalk ohio uh a group of women is emulating an organization that uh has been founded and they wanted to create an all-female version of it their group is called 100 women making a difference and we have featured a group of and i believe they were in pennsylvania 100 men making a difference but this is a group of women in norwalk ohio and the basic premise is each member pledges to meet four times a year and when they go to that meeting, they take a $100 check with them. Now, each person at that meeting gets to nominate a nonprofit in their area. That's the one thing that they do request is it must be a local or regional nonprofit. And they put all the suggestions in a hat and they draw three of those names randomly from the nonprofits that have been submitted. And then the members that nominated those companies get to speak for five minutes per, per uh, organization. And then the group votes on who they would like to donate the money to. And that's $10,000. That's right. It's an instant $10,000 boost. Four times to a, year. a local nonprofit. They do it four times a year. And, you know, it's an opportunity for these women to get together, donate to a very good cause. And it's a cause that sort of everyone supports. And uh, that's why the organization is called, you know, People Making a Difference. So if you've ever thought about doing this, uh, uh, think about it because it, these organizations are springing up. And they do a great amount of good for local charity. That is, uh, it's a great idea, and what a great business model. I mean, uh, who who can't? I know there are a lot of people who can't, but uh, you know, if you really think about who can't just meet four times a year and throw a hundred bucks into a hat, and uh, then have the group community-minded engagement to pick creatively one single charity at that meeting that's going to walk home with ten thousand dollars. I think that's fantastic. No, it is a great idea. Now, this is more for fun than public affairs, but does fall under public affairs. Donald Gorski is officially in the Guinness Book of World Records. He's the gentleman, by the way, that has consumed the most Big Macs of anyone on the planet. Uh, when I did my research, Donald had consumed 32,340. In one sitting. Of, of delicious Big Macs. <laughs> he did it in a four-day 
big Macathon. <laughs> he did it over Labor Day weekend. <laughs> Gorski is 67. He's from Wisconsin. It was the year 1972 when he had his very first Big Mac. He enjoyed it so much that he's had at least two a day I, since you know, that time. Jay, I don't know this guy's name, uh, but I do absolutely recall maybe 20 years ago hearing about this guy. Yeah, I, I remember hearing about a gentleman who had his, you know, he had his first Big Mac in the early 70s, loved it so much, he's had about two a day for the remainder of his life. So it took yes. him this long now to uh, beat the Guinness Book of World Records. For how many burgers or, or, any, or Big Macs? These are Big Macs. He's eaten over 32,340. And presumably those numbers will rise. He takes pretty good care of himself. You might think there might be some detrimental health uh, did, issues. Did he just but, uh, get the record? I mean, who had 29,000? Uh, just, just got the record. <laughs> yeah, just got the record in the last couple of months or so. Uh, either that or maybe it takes Guinness a while uh, to pop out. You know, for hamburger claims, it takes longer for Guinness. To verify. <laughs> okay. Yeah. But uh, you're going to love this guy. He actually kept track of all the boxes. He oh, collected no. the boxes put them in shrink wrap plastic oh. and kept all the receipts so that he could verify that he had consumed 32,340. Well, now, now, now he can be on an episode of hoarders. Uh, very yes. good stuff. Uh, Jay Baker. Interesting as always, I'm going to start eating two Big Macs a day starting tomorrow. And in uh, 40 or 50 years, I'll have that world record. You've been listening to The Adam Ritz Show. The Adam Ritz Show is recorded live in studio at the Vibonomics Worldwide Headquarters. Learn more about the Vibonomics Audio Out-of-Home Marketplace at Vibonomics.com. For information on this broadcast, including past on-demand episodes, interview submissions, and syndication contacts, visit AdamRitzShow.com.